0: contrast to Rita, I have been very into fantasy for a long time. (laughs) Ever since I was little in West Texas, uh, I have loved the escapism, loved the heroic nature, the deeds of fairy tales, mythology, uh, science fiction, and I came a little bit late to the Lord of the Rings series, Um, but I was very much a hobbit growing up. Uh, My mom would tell you that as soon as summer came, I did two things, I would shave my head down to what we call a burr cut, and I would take my shoes off and begin running around outside, usually with a giant stick that I imagined to be a sword or a staff, sometimes with a made, a a self-constructed bow and arrow. I was that kid running around, and as I read these stories, I found that I was always wanting to see myself in the story. Where did I fit? Either seeing myself as the hero or sometimes rarely as the villain. Uh, But I would ask myself, what would I do in these situations that these characters find themselves in? How would I react to this riddle game that Bilbo finds himself in? That was my litmus test, right? I was a dreamer. I think we probably have a lot of dreamers here. But I'm drawn to this story um, that takes place in two parts, right? So the kind of little kid version sometimes is how we depict it. The very first part of this story is called The Hobbit. Tolkien's first novel about Bilbo. And then there's the epic trilogy, The Lord of the Rings. And we can't talk about all the things in all the books in 18 minutes, but I wanted to just highlight a few things from each story. So you've heard the basic story of Bilbo. Bilbo goes on an adventure. And if there's one thing Bilbo is not, it's an adventurer. He says this in the very beginning of his book. We talked about hobbits who live this life of privilege really, of seclusion, they like their farms, they like their food, they don't like to do anything out of the ordinary. Going on an adventure is scandalous for these people. They say, oh no, we don't do that here, right? They're very status quo conscious. A Baggins, as Bilbo is, comes from a good family. He would never do anything to besmirch his good name. He wouldn't be caught dead going on an adventure. But Bilbo is also a Took. This is some deep Tolkien knowledge here. (laughs) And the thing is, it's constantly referred throughout all the books, is if anyone does anything out of the ordinary, someone says, oh, they must have some took blood in them, took family in them. It's this other side of the family that's a little more wild, a little more willing to be adventurous, a little more willing to step outside of the box. So Bilbo is this mix, right? He's this Baggins who likes to stay at home. He likes to smoke his pipe weed. We're not going to get into that right now. He likes to have tea every day. He likes nice china and things. But he also has this other side to him, this side that is maybe more willing to go on a journey, on an adventure. There's a little tookishness inside of him waiting to come out. This whole month, we've been talking about the theme of journey and what it means to both explore the wilderness out there and also the wilderness in here. And that sometimes the wilderness in here is a little bit harder to traverse. That's why I like this Lord of the Rings story. as a sacred text that we don't always have to read literally, because there's a lot of wild stuff in it. But we might read it literally in order to glean something from it. The basic premise of these is journeys. In The Hobbit, you have Bilbo's journey to a mountain to aid his friends. In the Lord of the Rings trilogy... You have another hobbit whose name is Frodo, whose journey is to destroy the ring that Bilbo finds. And on these journeys, they follow the the, uh, fairly typical archetype of what's called the hero's quest. You see these in a lot of mythologies, a lot of stories. The hero's quest. Call story, a refusal to go, a meeting with a magic mentor that prompts the beginning of the journey, the gift of an enchanted weapon or tool, A meetup of companions and fellowship, some kind of descent, death, rebirth, saga, some kind of resurrection or rising up, before the final climax defeating the big bad, the evil, saving the day, occasionally with some kind of sacrifice, right? These are the archetypes of the hero's quest in literature. So where do we see ourselves in this story? This story about hobbits and orcs and goblins and a wizard named Gandalf. It's important to remember that it comes from a real place, right? Tolkien was an English gentleman. He was a World War I veteran, and he saw the rise of Hitler in World War II. And he puts that into these stories. There are a lot of analogies for the world around him. So like I said, there are wizards and dragons and evil lords and talking eagles and magical rings that turn you invisible. But at the heart of these stories is this theme of journey. And this religious humanism that talks about connections and relationships being most important, indeed most precious. So Bilbo, the unwilling adventurer who's been told his entire life, we don't do that here. You're too little to make a difference, Bilbo. All you need to worry about is your house and your home, singing, making merry, live, eat, die. And it's not a bad life. There are days I wish I could crawl into a hobbit hole. Hobbits are famous for living in holes with round doors and round windows. Deep Tolkien knowledge here. There are days I wish I could crawl into a comfy space, sit by a window and read, just waiting for tea at 2 o'clock. And to be honest, I probably could, right? Some of us could. Some of us are afforded that privilege to to be free to choose that life. But some of us are not. Some of us cannot help but be affected by the outside world. And there's no blame here. That's just simply the way things are. That is the way that our world is. So when I read this story, I see Bilbo in that role. And I see me in that role. But then Bilbo is confronted with this adventurer. The wise and wizardly Gandalf. Gandalf the Grey, played by Ian McKellen in the movies... Great wizard. Big pointy beard, pointy hat, magical, likes fireworks. You know Gandalf. Gandalf shows up and says, Bilbo, I know you think you're not an adventurer, not a journeyman. But I got news for you. Tomorrow you're going on a journey. Bilbo says, no, no, no. No, no, no. That's not going to happen. The next day, a group of refugees and exiles shows up on Bilbo's door in the form of dwarves. Yes, there are dwarves. Dwarves, under the lead of Thorin Oakenshield, his dwarf brethren, and they tell Bilbo this story that gets him to go on the adventure. That they used to have a home in a place called the Lonely Mountain. and They've lost their home. They've been exiled. They've lost everything. Because a great dragon came and took it away. They've lost their comfortable existence and they live life on the run. So Bilbo, after some convincing by Gandalf the wizard he feels that tookish part of his soul start to stir and he thinks that something might be at work here so he leaves on a journey to help them reclaim their home and along the way they meet your typical fantasy cast of characters you got the trolls, you got the talking spiders you got the guy that changes into a bear you got the elf king, the goblin king the eagle king not a lot of women in this book let's be honest Also a lot of white-skinned people. Let's be honest. Talking, writing in early 20th century Europe. A lot of masculine-centered perspective. A lot of Eurocentric perspective. Take it for what it is. Along the way, Bilbo Baggins, this hobbit who doesn't wear shoes, constantly says, Oh, how I wish I were home in my hobbit hole. Oh, to be home again. Oh, this is so hard. He finds that life and that adventures are not all pony rides in the May sunshine. It's a great line. When things get hard, he's constantly seeking for something to hold on to. Something to keep him going. Sometimes it's his own courage that he finds. Oftentimes it's the encouragement of Gandalf and the dwarves who go with him. In a cute moment, I find uh, when, Bilbo, when things get really intense, Bilbo reaches for his pipe that he smokes from, like a security blanket. I don't have another point than that. I just think that's funny. <laughs> but he is, he is searching for spiritual practices. Right? When we talk about resilience, things that we lean on when things get hard, things that keep us going, Bilbo is a monument to that. And at one point, when he is in the dark tunnel, when he finds the rain, as we were talking about in the children's story, Tolkien writes that Bilbo comes to this epiphany, this self-realization, He's been thinking constantly Oh how I wish I could go back Oh to be home And at one point he says You know what Can't go back Can't go sideways Have to go forward That's a pretty deep theological statement This is in the descent The death part of his quest And we heard what happens How he finds the ring And he comes out of the mountains And he rejoins with his friends And they're worried that they've lost him They thought he was dead and one dwarf tries to claim, well, Bilbo was such a little guy, he didn't really want to come anyways, it's not really that big a deal that we lost him. We turn to Gandalf. Gandalf plays the kind of divine figure in this story. He's kind of godly, he seems to know things, he has wisdom, he has ways, he knows that something is at work here. And Gandalf says to the dwarf that says Bilbo didn't matter, I brought him. And I don't bring things that don't matter. This kind of divine role. I don't bring things that don't matter. Gives Bilbo a little bit of pride, his self-confidence, his self-esteem grows. He starts to wear his sword a little more proudly. And his sword, if you don't know it, it's a sword that's made by the elves. Deep talking knowledge. And it glows with a light when danger is near. And I think it's an interesting parallel that Bilba has this magical weapon that grows and glows with light when danger is near. And as he goes through this story, he gains more courage. It's almost like he starts to glow with light when danger appears as well. So the crux of the story, of course, is this dragon on this mountain. They go and they're trying to defeat the dragon. The dragon can be a symbol for all kinds of things. It could be capitalism, it could be mechanization, it can be... Greed, power The dragon's name is Smog, But in an interesting parallel To Gollum, who we talked about earlier Who has no relationships No connections Except for this ring The dragon is kind of the same The dragon is said to be selfish To be wealth hoarding Doesn't care about anything other than its gold Bilbo is supposed to go confront this dragon And again he's in a dark tunnel And he's lost his pipe And he doesn't have it anymore he knows that his friends are counting on him to do his job. His confidence has been growing a little bit. And Tolkien writes, the Bible takes one step in the right direction. Going on from there was the bravest thing he ever did. The tremendous things that happened afterwards were as nothing compared to it. He fought the real battle in the tunnel alone before he ever saw the vast danger that lay in we. The tremendous things and the vast danger stuff we don't really care about. It's a battle and there's eagles and there's a lot. But this moment of being challenged, feeling alone, feeling isolated, taking one step, exploring that inner wilderness where that tookish part is waiting to come out. That's where Bilbo, he says, Bilbo shows the most courage. It's where he arrives and who he's been all along at this point. Remember, he's both a Baggins, the homebody, who likes his tea and his cakes, but he is also deep down inside this journeyer, this adventurer. He becomes fully alive in this moment, fully himself. And you can imagine, when one becomes fully themselves, lives into their full potential, becomes their highest self, it inspires others to do the same. One of those people he inspires is his nephew, his nephew, excuse me, Frodo, who is the protagonist of the second part of the story, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. This story is a lot more complex, so I just want to drill down on one thing. What I find most inspiring about this story is that it's not just about one hero. There's all these heroes, but specifically the people who go to destroy the great evil in the ring from the mountain, who go on this epic journey. Two little hobbits. Frodo, who's related to Bilbo, and his best friend slash bodyguard slash gardener, deep Tolkien knowledge, <laughs> Samwise Gamgee, Frodo and Sam, they're best buddies. They're the platonic ideal. They love one another. They hang out together. They can they um, travel together, and they stick by one another. And it is their relationship that is really the most fundamentally holy thing about this story. They go on this epic journey. They gather a fellowship, right, archetypes, they get the magic tools, they greet the fellowship, they have Gandalf, the magic mentor. At one point there's a death and rebirth. Gandalf, who's like the Christ figure, literally falls down into the darkness and then he's dead and then he comes back and he's all white. I wonder where Tolkien got that from. (laughs) They go on this adventure and the climax of the story, Frodo has been carrying this ring and like we said, the ring corrupts people cuts off relationship. It makes you isolated. It turns you inward So all you want is this one thing. It separates you from your family, your friends. Frodo's connection and his relationship with Sam are what keep him safe. He's able to resist the temptation, resist the power, resist the fall until the very end. He's gone all this way his brother and his friend Sam has been there loved him and helped him through it. Literally carried him at some points, And he has a chance to destroy the ring. And he takes it off and he's ready to throw it into the fire. And he can't do it. He's come all this way and he turns and he calls it his precious. It's finally taken him. And all would be lost at this moment. Except that Sam still has this connection. Still has this relationship. And Sam... And his love for Frodo and his love for his friend saves him and saves the day, saves the world, really. This juxtaposition of the characters who get taken, the evil characters who are lonely, who are isolated, who are exiled. And the fellowship characters who live for one another, who connect deeply, who love with a capital L. is the one we're always talking about. Love with a capital L, that force that binds the universe together, that binds us, that carries us forward, creates this interdependent web, Indra's net, like we talked about a few weeks ago. The stories of these little people who've told, been told, we don't do that here. You can't make a difference. They get caught up in these grand quests, but they always come back to this one thing, the power of relationship, the power of love with a capital L, this holy power, This connection is our strongest resource in the face of evil. When it feels like we want to crawl back into our hobbit hole and not deal with the evil outside, we find that it is love with a capital L that takes you out of that privileged life to confront those evils, to help those in need of help. It is love with a capital L that fuels our social justice activism here. It is love with a capital L that gives us courage to go on that adventure. Not just to the wilderness outside, but to the wilderness inside as well, on the adventure of finding out who we really are. That maybe we're a little bagginsy, and we like comfy shoes, and maybe we're a little tookish as well, and we feel the need to speak out. It is love with a capital L that commits the divine, this wizardly figure, the God, the universe, to move in a direction of justice and unity. So yes, you might have a little Baggins and a little Took in you, a little elven light that shines out when things get hard, a little divine spark that demands connection and relationship and courage, that creates resilience and honesty and truth. The final line of The Hobbit has Gandalf talking to Bilbo about the mystery of Life and God and why things happen why we're here and Bilbo seems to think that this is all just coincidence I think I don't really understand why I did this I don't really understand why all this happened why me Gandalf says Bilbo surely you don't disbelieve the prophecies about the future of the world the mysticalness of the world because you had a hand in bringing this about yourself you don't really suppose, do you, that all your adventures and escapes, escapes were managed by mere luck, just for your sole benefit? This is Tolkien's theology. But there's something perhaps greater at work here that we have a hand in, that it is not separate or out there. There is love with a capital L that both fuels us, that lights our divine spark, that also we help promulgate into the world. That maybe when it gets hard on the journey, that we are co-creators of this justice, co-creators of our destiny. That when bad news pulls you down, when you feel tired, when you are unsure of what to do, when you wish things could just stay the same, or that they could just get better magically. Wouldn't that be nice? But we and we have the hard work to do. Of going on that journey, of taking that first step of confronting the stuff that is within us that keeps us from being our highest self. The stuff that we try to hide away when we try and ignore the injuries that have been done to us without reconciliation or reparation. We may wish that the burden had never come to us of going on this journey of standing outside on Thursdays to argue the Black Lives Matter, to do all the work that we say we're wanting and we're waiting and we're wishing for. We may wish the burden had never come to us, that we didn't have to protest these things, that we didn't have to engage in these things. We may wish that the burden had never come to us. And Gandalf replies, so do all who live to see such times. But that is not what is asked of us. All that is required of us is to decide what to do with the time that is given to us. May that time be full of resilience and courage and real relationships and deep sharing and speaking out and speaking the truth and love with a capital L. That is the gospel according to Gandalf. May it be so. Amen.